Good morning. It is good to be here with you this morning. And I am going to be speaking this morning. If you were here last week, we started a new series called One Another. And uh, as I said last week, before Barry got up and shared about really a, an incredibly foundational topic of loving one another, but when we were thinking about doing this topic, you know, two really big things. You know, Lauren just shared that, you know, on the last weekend, on the uh, 29th, we're going to be doing our town hall. That's the first really kind of big event that we're doing together. And it is really important that we are together to do it. And, and so when we were thinking about this series of one another, you know, Barry made a comment and it stuck with me through the week. And, and, and he said that, uh, you know, that church is not somewhere where we go to attend. And uh, church is not, it's not a building. Church is not a service. Church is people. And, and we are the church. And, and so as we've been going through a really messy couple of years, and then also now as we are going through this path of transition, and I will admit that uh, early on in this process myself, I wanted it to go a lot faster. You know, I had everything lined out, and we could have gotten her done in three weeks. You know, <laughs> but we would not have done the really important things that we're going to be doing together. And I think we're going to come out of this at a place where we leave or where we enter our next part of the journey together with one another. And so this morning, I'm going to be starting into our second of our of our topics. And, and I wanted to start by saying, you know, when I was working in Fort St. John, I pastored in the North Peace Mennonite Brethren Church for just over nine years. And right next door to my office was the office we had a, a part-time, a half-time counselor on our staff. Now, he had actually been there or had actually already retired from a career in teaching and in school administration and this was like his third career already and and his gifting was that he did counseling for oil field worker guys you know rig guys and their marriages that were broken and breaking and i, I remember he used to come and, and we would talk together and he'd say rod they, they don't call it spring break for nothing spring break up for nothing I remember my little house that, uh, where we lived, and uh, one day, it was in springtime, and I was standing just outside my front door, and up about three doors above me, up the hill, a door suddenly swung open, and a young mom with a stroller came out the door, moving rather quickly down the sidewalk, towards the sidewalk, took a left turn, and started up the sidewalk. And just a short way after her, her husband came roaring out of the house and just shouting uh, a, a lot of uh, <laughs> unsayable words, uh, just, you know, expletives as he was yelling and screaming, you know, you didn't have to jump into bed with every guy in town while I was gone. And she turned around and hurled some insults after him, and soon she was out of sight up the sidewalk. And I was standing there at my front door going, oh my goodness. <laughs> you may have seen something like that yourselves. Uh, 
in, in your lives, experiences. You know, Ernie used to come into my office after he'd had, you know, maybe a really difficult session with a couple. And he would say to me, Rod, if they're willing to forgive, it always works out. But if they won't forgive, it never works. You know, and he said that to me many times. And you know what? It's true when it comes to relationships. But you know what? It's true when it comes to us as church, as a body, as the family of Christ. And today, as you might have guessed, I'm going to be talking about forgiveness. And I want to start off just by talking about the priority of forgiveness. And we read in Luke chapter 23 about Jesus. It says, When they had come to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. You know, to me, to me, this is one of those most profound, most gut-wrenching, important, powerful statements that was ever given and made. Jesus was being, literally being nailed onto the cross after he had been whipped and beaten to the point of death. And as he faced hours of agony on the cross, slowly suffocating to death, he said, Father, forgive them. You know, when he uttered these words, he was not only addressing his accusers and the killers that were standing there in front of him, he was addressing every sin for all of humanity for all of time, and that includes all of our sin, both the sins in our past, but also the sins in the present and in the future. And it says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Those words on the cross were for every one of us. You know, many of the one another principles that we're going to be studying in our series of the next 11 that are following this one, you know what, they're quite manageable. Ideas like loving one another or accepting one another or greeting one another, comforting one another, you know what, they actually sound kind of nice. They give you kind of that warm and fuzzy feeling. And most people would readily agree that these are really good ideas. But this morning, we're going to take a look at one, a one another passage. And I think this one puts the warm and fuzzy to the test. Paul wrote this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He said, Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Folks, I want to say this morning that though forgiving one another may not be easy, it is necessary. None of the other one another's will work without this one. It's only through forgiving one another that we will be able to accept one another or encourage one another, serve each other, or even love one another. Here's the thing. Most of us like the idea of forgiveness. I like the idea of forgiveness, especially when I'm the one that needs the forgiving and the forgiveness. And I like to be forgiven, but when it comes to my own shortcomings and my own failures, you know, I think that it's a really good idea for people to forgive me. However, when someone else has hurt us or betrayed us or talked behind our backs, well, you know what, then we're not so keen on forgiveness. You know, when we are the injured party, 
We often want revenge, not mercy. You know, honestly, I have to confess that when I feel like I have been hurt or offended or hard done by, uh, things that don't even register on the scale when I think of what Jesus went through on the cross, but still, a lot of other thoughts and a lot of other feelings surface in my head far sooner than the idea of forgiveness. In fact, most times I have to clear away the garbage and the debris and the clutter that quickly fills up my head and my mind and it doesn't want to go away to enable me to start to get to a place where I can forgive. So I want to start this morning by asking the question of saying, so why forgive? And the first point that I have, it, it probably seems very obvious, we could assume it, but, but it is absolutely critical anyway, and that is because we have been forgiven so much through Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus uh, was, I love Peter, because Peter asked, asked these questions of Jesus that, hey, they would have been questions that I probably would have asked him too, but Peter came up to Jesus one day, and, and he asked hey, Jesus, you know, how many times should I forgive my brother? Now, in Peter's mind, I'm sure he was thinking, man, I'm, I'm just going to just crank it way over the top. And he said, like, seven times? And in Matthew, Jesus said, no, not seven times, Peter, 77 times. And if you look at one of the other Gospels, he says 70 times seven. That's 490 times. And No, Jesus was not doing a math class with Peter. <laughs> he was really saying, Peter, you keep on forgiving. And then Jesus told this story about this servant who had borrowed millions of dollars from the king. In fact, it was an amount that he could never in his lifetime repay. I don't know why the king borrowed it to him in the first place, but he did. But one day, the king decided to reconcile all of his accounts. He called the servant in, and he said, you know, I want you to repay what you owe me, or else I'm going to throw you into the debtor's prison. And the servant fell on the ground, and he... You know, he begged and he pleaded and the king was merciful and he forgave the entire debt. He wrote it off completely. And then Jesus said, then the servant walked outside and met another fellow servant who owed him a few dollars and he said, pay up. And the servant did the same thing. He begged and pleaded for more time and he said no and he sent him to prison. The king found out. What do you think the king did to the servant? Yeah, he brought him back in. He said, you unrepentant servant. He said, I'm, I throw you into the jail until you can replay every last cent, which he never could. And so that meant his entire life. And Jesus' point was this. He said, the forgiveness that we have received from God is so amazingly great. How could we ever consider not forgiving one another, especially when we're all part of the same family of God together? Paul wrote in the book of Ephesians, he said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. I scare myself because it all disappears on me. <laughs> forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, there's a danger here that's inherent in not recognizing and not reminding and remembering 
how much Jesus has done for us because when we forget the cost of our forgiveness, there's a danger that we hold back our forgiveness from others. And you know what that does? It turns off the tap of God's forgiveness to us. Do you know that? Do you know that if we don't forgive other people, God will not forgive us? In, in Matthew, as he goes through the Sermon on the Mount, these are probably very familiar verses. As it gets down to, it says, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins. As we forgive our debtors or as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Notice that Jesus says, as we have forgiven. So forgive us as we have forgiven. Many of us don't read down to verse 14 and 15, but hey, let's go there. It says, Jesus said this, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is serious. Friends, if we want to live in the forgiveness that God wants for us, he's not a miser. He's not trying to hold back. He wants us to live in forgiveness. But if we want the forgiveness that God has for us, we must forgive each other whether that is in church whether that is in our marriage relationships whether that is in our friendships with each other the second thing is that forgiveness demonstrates that our hearts are open and responsive to God's love and forgiveness toward us and they are not focused on our egos wow you know my I I struggle my ego jumps onto the center of the page so quickly. You know, forgiveness runs counter-cultural. It runs counter to our culture, which our natural stained and broken tendencies are towards self-centeredness and self selfishness and self-defensiveness. But you know what? Forgiveness is a powerful demonstration of the life-transforming power and life of Christ within us. But it's no small challenge. And Jesus said this to his followers. He said, if any of you want to follow me, come and follow me. He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my name will save it. And again, there's a danger here when our egos become the center because we have a tendency towards offense and bitterness. And the risk that we run when a, our ego gets control is that we easily become offended and if it's left unchecked, it will become bitterness in our lives. And the author of Hebrews said, uh, see to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. You've probably heard it said before that offense, you know, holding an offense against somebody else is kind of like drinking poison and hoping for the other person to die. Offense and bitterness are toxic. They are poisonous to us but then they poison our relationships and they poison other people around and we become offensive to God as well. And then thirdly, the kingdom is people. The kingdom is 
relationships. As Barry said last week, there are two eternal realities, love and people. Those are the two things that we can have and experience in our life here on the earth that are going to be in heaven with us someday, with God and with Christ. Relationships matter. Paul said, as much as it is possible for you, live at peace with all people. You know what? The person sitting next to you is just as important to God as you are. And you are just as important as the person sitting next to you. Church is not a place, it's people. It's about the transforming work that Jesus is doing in us and among us and within our relationships and through us. And again, there's a danger. There's a danger in relationships because fractured relationships destroy both our own effectiveness and also they destroy our effectiveness as a body in Jesus' kingdom work. Paul wrote this, and I think you're going to get the emphasis pretty quickly. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace because there is one body, one Spirit, just as you're called to one hope, one, sorry, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and through all and in all. Unity is about being one. Jesus' ministry and his death and his resurrection were all about restoring relationships from brokenness and captivity into wholeness and healing and life. And Jesus said, I have come so that you can have life and you can have it to the full, like max capacity. First through his forgiveness of every one of us, and then through our relationships with each other. Now I want to just take a little bit of a walk through a couple things, because sometimes when we think about forgiveness, we have ideas of what forgiveness should be and what we should do. And so I want to talk about what forgiveness is not. The first thing is, forgiveness is not just accepting someone's apology. Sometimes when a wrong has occurred, you know what, the guilty person just wants to escape the feelings of guilt. They're sorry that they got caught. They're not sorry about the sin. They're sorry they got caught. They're sorry, they want to escape the consequences uh, of what they've done. And so they offer a quick, I'm sorry. Folks, I just want to say, there's no easy shortcuts to forgiveness and to reconciliation. Sin needs to be, number one, acknowledged. And then it needs to be owned. It needs to be repented. And then it needs to be forgiven. And I often tell people when I do pre-marriage counseling, don't rush into forgiving. Don't do it too soon. You know what? If you've been wronged and the other person refuses to repent, or maybe they're not even around to repent, you know what? It's still important for us to go through the process with Jesus and give it over to him to deal with it. And you know what? That frees us up. And healing can start when we give our pain over to Jesus. Secondly, forgiveness is not minimizing or excusing sin. You know, some things that we do that cause hurt or harm in other people's lives, sometimes they are errors, sometimes they are mistakes. 
But some of them are deliberate and some of them are malicious. And I have it in me to do that just as much as anyone else. And you know what? Yes, we should be sympathetic and we should be understanding and we should be remembering. Yeah, make sure I take the log out of my own eye before I start searching for specks in somebody else's eyes and their faults. But we need to remember something, and that is that sin is offensive and it's serious to God. It's an affront to His holiness. He doesn't say, well, it's okay. <laughs> you were just being human. No, it's rebellion to Him. And it's rebellion against Him. And our sin required the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And nothing less could pay that penalty. And in forgiveness, there's an acknowledgement that what was done was hurtful and that we're willing and choosing to pursue a relationship and reconciliation instead. And thirdly, forgiveness is not just the lessening of pain over the passing of time. You are all probably familiar with the adage that says, time heals all wounds. I didn't have time. I don't know where that ad, the line came from, but it's just not true. You know, time can actually possibly lessen our feelings of pain and hurt. And it might even give us some separation and even safety if there's some harm that could have been done. But it does not heal. I have a close family member who was sexually abused by an uncle when she was 12. One incident of abuse... And that led to her being captive in shame and false guilt and body hate and insecurity and fear for the next 50 years. And it took a very caring and compassionate counselor and five years of walking through the layers and layers of hurt and pain to come to the place where she was ready to forgive and she forgave completely and she gave it to Jesus. Now by then, the person who had abused her was dead and she wasn't able to confront him directly but she went through the process with Jesus and you know what? He healed her wounds. Healing heals wounds. Time does not heal wounds. And then, fourthly, forgiveness is not forgetting. I have a scar on every joint of my body, including my hips, my knees, my ankles, my wrists. When I was in grade 12, I had a motorcycle accident. I hit a deer on the highway going 100 kilometers an hour. And I went down and slid with the bike for a couple of hundred yards along the roadway. And, and when I got to the hospital... I was in the emergency ward, and as I was there, they were there working with me, and the doctor looked down at me from the foot of the bed, and he said, Rod, he said, you've had a bad concussion, and so we can't give you any pain for your, any medication for your pain, but he said, your knees are full of gravel, and I've got to get it out of there and clean the wound or it'll get infected, and he was holding a scrub brush in his hand. And he said, I'm sorry. And he proceeded to start cleaning out my wounds. And 
Mercifully, the pain was so white hot that within a few moments, I couldn't feel anything. I was just completely bathed in pain. But you know what? I, my knees healed. There's scars there. There's a, like I said, I've got a scar on every one of my joints from that incident. And when I look at the scars that I've got on my body, and I've got one on my hand, and I remember exactly the day when that one happened to me, but, and I remember the pain that I went through, but you know what? I don't feel the pain because the wound is healed. There's a scar there that makes me remember. And some people quote Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, where the writer says, For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more meaning that God forgets our sins when he forgives them. I don't think God forgets anything. I don't think he forgets any of our sins. But what he does is he agrees never to bring it up and never to hold that sin against us again once it has been forgiven. To me, that's what it means when God forgets our sins. And in our lives, our wounds, and even our healed wounds, they leave scars and they, re they leave memories of the wound. And if you remember the wound, you might even remember or you might struggle a bit or you might struggle a bit with the person that caused that wound. But if, if the wound has truly healed, we remember it, but it doesn't cause pain anymore. And you know what? Our scars, Jesus can use our scars to bring healing to somebody else's wounds and to somebody else's pains and bring healing to them. And fifthly, forgiveness isn't just agreeing to not to get even and then steering clear of the other person. Forgiveness is not easy. If it was, everyone would do it. Adeline and I had to learn in our early on in our relationship when we had hurt or offended each other, we had to learn that we had to walk through to the place where we could actually sit across from each other and look into each other's eyes and say, are we good and we could honestly say yes. And, you know, that made for some pretty long conversations sometimes. And, and, and a big reason for that is because she was ready to forgive very quickly, but I had a difficult time. I wanted to hold on to the offense and hold on to my right to be angry longer. And so, you know what? It is often... Often it's hard to let go. It's hard not to want revenge or punishment for someone else because our pain hurts. And our human tendency is to want to hurt the people that have hurt us. And if we don't finish the process of forgiving and letting go and reconciling, the tension remains. And if we do that often, we run out of people that we can't bump into anymore. It's one of the reasons why people leave church because it's uncomfortable because I can't talk to that one. I can't talk to that one. Not to that one. You know, and, and it happens in our marriages too when too many things pile up that we haven't gotten rid of the tension and the problem itself and gotten right down to the root. That's when couples leave and walk out on marriages. You know what? If we want to start over and we go to a different church or we get into a different marriage, what happens? If we haven't dealt with the forgiving, the cycle begins again. <laughs> it's better to forgive. Sixthly is forgiveness is not an emotion or a feeling. If we wait to forgive until we feel like it, we would seldom forgive. 
Forgiveness is an act of our will. It's an act of obedience to God. And Jesus, when he was teaching about anger, he said, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, remember, this, they're in church, like you are right now, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go and be reconciled. Then come back and offer your gift. It's okay if a few of you get up and leave now. <laughs> but, it, it, no, really, if... Reconciling is just so important. And our emotions, they often take so much longer to heal than our minds do. And our forgiveness, it, it, forgiveness can't wait for our emotions to lead the way because many times then there will be so much damage or could be so much damage done in our relationships that they reach a place that's beyond repair. And that's why Jesus urges us to forgive quickly. And then finally, forgiveness isn't trust. Uh, you may have seen, if you look on Facebook, on my, my page, we got a little parrot uh, just before Christmas time from a, a, a parrot rescue agency in Saskatoon. And when we brought him home, I love pets, but I'm, I'm terribly undisciplined with pets. Pets own me. I don't own pets. And, and, and so I, I really wanted to get to know this little bird, but at the first couple of days, he hated me, or she. She hated me. She loved Adeline. She said, you only hang out with Adeline. And so finally I lured her in with cashews. And, and she came finally onto my knee and then got onto my shoulder. And it was like three days in and, and I was just loving it. And she was, you know, nattering away on my shoulder. And then she decided she would pull my glasses off of my head. And then she decided she wanted to pull my hearing aid out of my ear. And I put my hand up to stop her. And she bit my ear. And it hurt. <laughs> like, have you seen their beaks? she could have bit through my ear without even any pressure at all from her side. And, and, and so I shooed her off, and, and then, you know, well, we hadn't figured out at all that, you know, she was overstimulated, she was strange, she was afraid, she was, you know, and so her defense response was to bite. And, 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 and so, now, did I just did I throw her out in the snow? No, I decided we keep her. <laughs> But you know what? The next time she got on my shoulder, do you think I was totally at ease? You know, you think I was completely... I'm still, you know, every once in a while. And now we've figured out a few things. You have to actually work with them so that they, they're in a rhythm. And, and, and so now I'm at the place where if she's misbehaving, and she does a lot, I just reach up and I grab her like that and I look at her and I put her in her cage. <laughs> and... But right at the very beginning, after she bit my ear, I did not trust her to be there. Forgiving is something, it's a gift we can give as we go through the process. It's a gift that we give to ourselves, and it's a gift that we give to other people. But trust takes time, and it takes the consistent work and the consistent actions of the offender in order for trust to be rebuilt and granted. So what does forgiveness do? Well, forgiveness, number one, it unleashes God's forgiveness and healing towards us. God created us for wholeness. You know, our body, our intellect, our emotions, our soul, and our spirit, they are all completely connected and interlinked with each other. And so when we get hurt and harmed, you know, we feel it all through ourselves, through our whole being. And, and we feel a distance from God at times too, but you know what? God doesn't hold out on us. 
But when we don't forgive, we may put up a wall that stops the flow of the stream of God's goodness and his forgiveness to us. It's up to us. When we forgive, the wall comes down. He didn't put it up. We put it up. And so when we take that wall down, through forgiveness, God's love and his healing and his forgiving, it flows back into our lives. And secondly, it removes offenses between us that will cause division and and it places that into Christ's control. I often talk about forgiveness, and, and I talk about, I take this from Nicky Gumbel from the Alpha Course, and he said, you know, when we have an offense, I have my, the offense is my, my offensive thing is my phone in my hand. <laughs> and, and so if we're holding on to an offense, Jesus comes to us, and he said, would you like to give that to me? And I will take care of being responsible for whatever needs to happen to that other person. And we say, okay, and we give it over to him. And what happens? The weight's gone. We're free. And we get to move on. And so that's what forgiving does. It removes blockages in our relationships. Thirdly, it it removes the pull that we have towards self-centeredness, and it frees us from being pulled down into bitterness and sin. And then fourth, it creates space for reconciliation. Paul wrote, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Folks, we are responsible for our own part. We are not responsible for how the other person responds or reacts or doesn't. And so the question you might be asking is, whose responsibility is it to take the first step to get into the process of forgiveness? Well, I say it's the responsibility of the most mature person in Christ. You say, well, how do you know who's the most mature person in Christ? Well, it's the person that takes the first step. So are you willing to take the first step? I want to just walk through now, some real practicality, some steps to forgiveness. Because I think it's important for us to, to figure out how are we going to do this because when we are facing an offense when we're holding on to hurt. It might seem like an insurmountable thing, but if we take it one piece at a time, it is something that we can do through Jesus' help and through the power of the Spirit. And the first one is this. We need to take a posture of humility. If we go into trying to seek forgiveness and we also have the idea or the the need in, in our mind, in our heart, I need to get what's rightfully mine you won't get anywhere. We, we need to start off with a posture of humility. Again, you need to go back and remind ourselves, how much have I been forgiven by Christ? And I think if you really take stock of that, we will, we will step into a posture of humility. And then secondly, we need to let go and release the offense into Jesus' hands and ask him to help us in these steps. Because some of this stuff is beyond our human capacities. That might sound radical. Talk about Jesus first. Shouldn't we release it to him after we've done all the forgiving and, and asking forgiveness? No, actually, talk to him first. And ask him to help us. And then we need to take a, a courageous step. And that is to confront in love. 
Scripture says, speak the truth in love. But you need to speak the truth to each other. And it can be hard, especially the first times, because it runs counter to our broken human self-protectiveness. And then fourthly, we need to acknowledge the hurt and we need to acknowledge the wrong. And I, like I said earlier, don't rush into saying just, I forgive you. Because that short circuits really important work. Don't minimize or deflect, saying it wasn't that serious. You're just being yourself. Sin and hurt are serious. They're serious to God and to us. And walking away might break the tension or re- reduce the pain, but it'll never heal. Don't leave it. Staying in the conversation until the sin is acknowledged and recognized and owned. The damage is actually seen and even felt is critical to the path of healing and learning for both sides. And then fully accepting and owning the hurt and pain we've caused. That's when it's time that we can say, I forgive. That's when it's time to say, please, forgive me. And then fifthly is we need to let go and release it into Jesus' hands again and again and again. Like Peter said, how many times? Jesus, seven? Jesus, no, 77 times. And you may, you may find yourself going back to, to the feelings of that hurt. Remember, I talked about the scars. You know what? The scars sometimes hurt for quite a while as the healing has happened. But we need to just let go and release it to to Jesus. And then we need to agree with each other not to ever bring it back to the table again. With each other, within our own hearts, or with anyone else, we promise we're done. We set this aside, and like God does, He will never bring it back again. We have to promise we will never bring it back again. And then seventhly, we reenter our relationship wherever possible. Sometimes it's not able. It's not possible. Sometimes that person isn't around anymore. Sometimes they've passed away. But wherever it's possible, we re-enter that relationship. And we can move on into good and loving and fulfilling relationships with each other if we'll do this. If we don't forgive, it never works out. But if we choose to forgive, it will work out for God's glory and for our best. So I just want to leave you this morning with, with four responses you might want to think about. And as I'm talking right now, or even as I have been talking, maybe you're thinking about something that you have that's not been attended to. Maybe you're holding on to an offense. Maybe you're hurting really badly because your partner or your friend or somebody else just hurt you very, very deeply. So these four responses. The first one is this. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you if forgiveness is needed. Ask him and then listen. He will, he will tell you. He will speak. But we need to take the posture of listening. And then secondly is take a step of faith. And the step of faith is to actually believe that our relationships can be fixed. That they can be healed. If we don't believe it, they'll never heal. True forgiveness is the way to soul healing. And it's a step of faith. And then thirdly, is take the step of courage. Have that hard conversation. Don't walk away. Too many people are getting offended about 
whether they're real or assumed wrongs, and walking away from marriages, from friendships, from churches, never addressing, and everybody loses. And then fourthly is release it into Jesus' hands and forgive as many times as you have to revisit it. So in closing, if we choose to forgive, it will work out for God's glory and for our best. Thanks. Hey, just want to kind of shift gears here now and just share just briefly this next weekend. We are going to be having our third set-free retreat. We've had actually a couple of hundred people have been through our set-free retreat. And, and you know what? All of us are a work in proce- progress. All of us are a work in process. And Jesus wants us to experience what I talked about earlier. He wants us to experience life to the full. And you know what? All of us have hang-ups. We've got sins. We've got battles that we might be fighting, sometimes successfully, sometimes in failure. Set free is it's kind of like a walk through areas of our lives where we might still be feeling stuck or even feeling like we're failing or actually failing. And through an opportunity, it's an opportunity to, to find new freedom through the, the sessions that we walk through and then uh, getting together in, in little circles of three men and three women and actually going through and saying, yeah, this fits and this fits and this fits. And then saying, you know what? going through and just praying a prayer of confession, confessing it to God in front of two friends, and then having another person pray a prayer of blessing and a prayer of forgiveness that God is giving us. That's what set free is. And we have seen God do amazing things. I talked to somebody this morning after the first service, just reminded me of of their incredible experience of the freedom that they found going through Set Free. So it's Friday evening and all morning and afternoon on Saturday. If you're interested, go on to Church Center app and you can register right there and we'll be looking forward to you joining us. And uh, the other thing I want to just share is um, as we close now, the, the front is always available for prayer. And if you've got something that you would like to pray about, maybe it's something that came up this morning as I was talking, or maybe it's something that you've come with, a pain or, or something that you want to talk with Jesus about, you can come to the front, or you can just pray by yourself at the front as well. We just welcome you to do that. We just love it when we see people come in and just kind of pouring out their heart to the Lord in prayer. So I'm going to kind of let you go this morning with just a couple words of blessing. May God's blessing, his forgiveness, the love of Jesus for one another fill you this week. Have a great week.